So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. Welcome into Ravens Steelers post game here across all of our platforms on the vault and across Bobby Baltimore channels as well. I am Bobby Trossett, joined by my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. This stream is brought to you by our friends at Cybertech. More on them in just a second, but the Ravens drop a, shall we say, there's probably a plenty of adjectives that you could use for this one, Sarah, but I'll call it severely disappointing. 17 to 10. We'll get into some other ones throughout the course of the next hour or so. 17 to 10 in Pittsburgh on the road in a hostile environment in a game that you look at the stat score. You look at the, the box score. The Ravens outgained the, the Steelers in total yards. They beat them in time of possession. They beat them in penalties. They beat them in just about every category besides turnovers. And this, this one isn't actually logged on the ESPN one. But drops, they certainly didn't beat Pittsburgh in either. There's a lot to get to. It was ugly. It was disappointing. And it was one that uh, just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. I can only imagine what that flight to London is going to be like for the Ravens tomorrow, Sarah. <laughs> they got to fly home. Then they get a little bit of rest. And then they got to fly all the way out to London. Yeah, lots of good adjectives there, Bobby. Ugly, terrible, frustrating. Um, I think the thing that strikes me the most is I kind of like think back and and – you know, rethink about all the plays that led to this outcome. It is honestly incredible. And usually incredible is something you think of positively, but in this sense, it's not. It is incredible how many ways the Ravens had to screw up <laughs> in order to hand that game over to the Steelers. There is no doubt in my mind that this Ravens team is way superior in talent. But, uh, like, drop after drop, missed blocks for a punt, uh, it, or, yeah, a punt that goes for a safety, um, a fumble. Like, there were a few. I would, I would say the only huge mishap that I think the Steelers actually caused and the Ravens didn't give over was the punch out to Justice Hill. That's the only one that I would say, okay, you know what? The Steelers made a play. The Steelers made a play. All the rest, it was that the Ravens were shooting themselves in the foot, whether it was Bateman dropping a pass or Zake miss, dropping two passes or Mark Andrews dropping a pass or Nelson Aguilar dropping a pass. And some of those, three of those, by the way, are probably touchdowns. And like, or like just didn't black a, block a guy. Like it was just time and time again. Like sometimes you're like, you know what? Just they made a better play than us. That only happened once that I can remember off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more, but that's the only one that I can remember off the top of my head. The Ravens had an incredible number of plays that they had to screw up to lose this game. It was inexplicable, and yet 
at the post-game podium, which these guys are tasked with. They had to try and explain it. So let's cut to the post-game podium just a short while ago in Pittsburgh. John Harbaugh, Roquan, Lamar, and others just trying to make sense of what just unfolded. Obviously, congratulations to the Steelers making the plays they had to make to win the game. That was a great win for them. Disappointing loss for us. Had our opportunities, obviously, and, uh, you know, played hard. I mean, I just I love the way the guys play. They play hard. They fight. Uh, you know, we've got to finish plays and do things like that, that that you need to do to win a game like this, and that's we got. We have to fight for that going forward. Got a lot of football left to be played. Uh, it's going to be week six, and we need to clean that stuff up and, and finish games. I believe so. We, we didn't want to, but um, the mishaps, I mean, we right there. You know, we, we had them beat. Um, offense, we had to find our groove. We didn't find the defense, played a great game. You know, kept stopping, kept giving us opportunity. We just got to do what we do, finish drives. Honestly, man, it's part of what happens, and like we didn't we didn't do enough to get the job done, and that's how I look at it, and I'm sure that's how the other defensive guys look at it at the end of the day, and that's all we can do. We just got to learn and get better from. It. It's a long season, man. It's the NFL, and at the end of the day, what three, three and two, uh, what two and one in the division. So, you know, this game it sucks at the end of the day, but we just have to look at it as a learning experience, uh, take the positives from it, and uh, build off the negatives, and that's all we can do. In this uh, game, and we just look forward to uh, getting over to London, learning from this, and moving on to the Titans. Can only imagine how frustrating it was for a defense that just t- week in and week out, Sarah, puts the offense and this team in a position to win games. And I think frustrations boiled over a little bit post game. We don't have the context behind this, but Jeff Zarebic from the Athletic tweeted this out. Okay, this, that's that's not it, but. Anyway, it was essentially, let me make sure I have the quote right before I bring it up, but Jeff essentially had a conversation with Patrick Queen in which PQ... Oh, I got you. I'm sorry. I should have had you it keep, here. Keep talking. I'll get you. I got here it. Here it is. I got it. It's the okay. same old story every time. I'm pretty sick of it. That's Patrick Queen post game just a short while ago here, but uh, but yeah, and, and here's more. Yeah, so um, I wish I knew more of the context with Patrick Queen. Um, it does feel that way with the Steelers. I mean, I think so many people came in feeling like the Ravens got this. Just don't let them hang around because if they hang around, somehow they always pull it out in the end. And I, it does feel that way that in the end, if you let them, if it's like back and forth, somehow they always pull it out in the end. Um, Mark Andrews, I feel like one of the, you know, I don't know. He took accountability for sure on the drops. He said we need to be better. Lamar is putting the ball right where it needs to be. 100% agree with that. Obviously, Lamar had that interception, uh, which wasn't good. Uh, at the same time, uh, the Ravens should have been up by like 28 to 3 by that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? With all the drop passes that he had. He had he threw so many potential touchdowns in this game that were just dropped. This one, this one, um, this one from Rashad Bateman, it doesn't quite sit right with me. Um but Jameson Hensley tweeted that Rashad Bateman declined to talk to reporters after the game. I just think that's part of the, I think that's part of the job. I think that whether you win or lose, if, 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 if Rashad Bateman, you know, won the game with a winning touchdown, would he decline to go to the podium? I guess we've never been in that situation, so we can't find out for sure, but I would think he would be there. Um, it's tough to be, I understand. I mean, that's a tough job to do when you're frustrated than people put microphones in your, in your face, but that's part of being a professional. That's part of what you're paid to do. Um, he dropped it. It's frustrating. 
to me, you show that it doesn't get you down by going ahead and facing the media. So it kind of like, no, I don't think it's the best way to start by putting it behind you by, you know, not talking to the media about it. So um, I don't know who else may have not talked to him, but I haven't seen any more tweets about it. But I would like to see him, you know, and I know he's had tough things going on for sure, personally and 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 through his career. But um, but I think it would show a lot of growth if if he'd come and talk to the media after the game. Certainly echo your sentiments there. He's since not only declined to, to speak with media, but there's some reports out there that actually it's confirmed he's deactivated his Twitter account. So look. That, now that that's not a bad idea, to be honest. That part I agree with. <laughs> like we know it can be, be a cesspool. You yes. know, and, and all you're gonna do post game on the flight back from Pittsburgh is look at the different angles, one of which is my tweet, you know, of, of that drop. And it's an inexplicable drop. It's one that you have to have. It, I I can't even it just ha- it happened. It can't happen, especially for somebody. And, and, and in the game, the, the way that changes the outcome of the game, uh, the, the magnitude of that drop and these others were just paramount. And so I just I didn't like the message that it sent either. You know, just get up there, face the music, hold yourself accountable, say that you're going to bounce back and, and you're ready to move on to London. And then you, you kind of work from there um, instead. Not talking leads to, to silence and silence leads to interpretation and it's it's too bad but nonetheless that's what we're dealing with let's cut to the end of the first half because another thing that where there were issues other than drops other than missed opportunities were these operational flaws that we keep hearing about something that we talked about last year as well whether it's miscommunicating in this case with the Ravens decision to go for it on fourth down in the game's final moments I should say the first half's final moments and Sarah that's something that Tyler Linderbaum discussed remember so the plan at least according to John Harbaugh post game they were going to and according to Lamar and according to Linderbaum so I let's let's make this very clear because people have the right to be frustrated this this afternoon um but hopefully if we're doing our podcast right we're able to like cut through frustration. We have to keep cool heads. Fans, fans can be, can, can fan however they want to. They can be frustrated and all that, but it's not, Oh, it must've been this Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson and Tyler Linderbaum all said the same thing. So it is clear as to what happened. Which is exactly what Linderbaum addressed here with reporters. Yeah. um, Really just on me, just knowing, understanding the situation. Um, just making sure if the guy does jump on the sides, you know, then I can stop the ball. But, you know, just understanding the situation um, and making sure um, that he gets across the ball before I snap it. But that's just my fault not being aware um, and putting our team in a bad situation. Do you feel that he was in the neutral zone? Yeah, I mean, I thought, but I mean, I haven't seen it or anything, but. Obviously, he wasn't. So, just got to be better and learn from and move on from. Okay. So, Bobby, yeah. Yeah. I just want to give context to that. Okay. So, everyone, including me, thought that John Harbaugh made the wrong decision. We thought that he went, that his decision was to go for the touchdown. That was not the case. The decision, as he explained it and Lamar explained it and Leonard Baum alluded to there, is that we are going to kick the field goal. But what we want to do is we want to drain the clock. So they were at 19 seconds. 
This is not an abnormal thing to do. You will see this several times each week during the NFL. When you're already in position to take a field goal, you will see time and time and time and time again, teams say, let's go out there, try to draw them off sides or get them in the neutral zone. If they do, great, we get a, we get a free play. Okay, That happens all the time in the NFL. This is not what you would term a cute play. That's not cute. That's normal. Okay, so you go out there. Let's go out there. Let's try to draw them off. If they don't get drawn off, we call the timeout. So timeout was part of the plan. Okay, the plan was to go out there, really milk the clock. If they happen to jump off, then then great. We get three more chances with 19 seconds or how many left to go score a touchdown. Linderbaum thought he saw a neutral zone infraction, but he knew the plan. So like you referenced that, you know, Harbaugh said it was like an operational deal. He definitely said that. He also called it a mis- miscommunication. But that was just Harbaugh being nice. He wasn't going to go out and on the podium and say, Tyler Linderbaum screwed up. So if you get tired of hearing the same old explanations, it's only because this team does the right thing and they don't call each other out in the media. That is not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to go out there and say, hey, Lamar screwed up here. And then Lamar say, hey, this person screwed up here. And then Lamar and then Lamar. We all know the wide receivers let Lamar down. But what did Lamar say about the drops? He said, oh, you know, it happens in the NFL. We're going to get better. We're going to get better. That's the correct answer. So Harbaugh said it's a miscommunication to try to be nice. But it clearly was not a miscommunication. Leonard Baum knew what he was supposed to do. And he and he messed up. And it was a royal, royal mistake. Okay, so that's what happened. And people will use that. And I've seen it. People are using certain plays who already hate Lamar. And so they're trying to like go after Lamar. People are upset with Harbaugh. They don't want to be the coach anymore. So they want to take the situation and put it on Harbaugh. In this case, we know it was Linderbaum. It was Linderbaum. We can move the goalposts and try to put it on somebody else. But in this on this play, That was on Linderbaum, and it's not normal for him either. It's one of those days where everybody takes their turns absolutely screwing up, but I just want to make that clear. It's not a miscommunication issue. That's what you say when you're being a team player. So you hear miscommunication issues for years at a time because that's 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 what you do. You don't call out your players. But in private, you go up to Linderbaum and say, hey, what happened here? And then you fix it. But miscommunication is just, that's just trying to be nice to each other. Operational, operational problem. That's just being nice to one another. And then they go behind closed do- doors the way they're supposed to, to go and fix it. Oh, it's leadership. You know, it's, it's yeah. a way of executing leadership starting at the top. I think the point of my tweet, though, hearing it over and over again, was like, took me back to last year, just in terms of how much operate, you know, I'm just, using their quotes, operational and miscommunications, how vital they were and what went into a disappointing year last year. So it's just unfortunate that here we are again. But to your point, this is a work in progress, five weeks in. At the same time, it's like, man, I just, I cannot believe these drops because if these drops (laughs) don't happen, Sarah, if these drops don't happen, Lamar is having a career day. Right. This guy's threading the needle. He's throwing dots. He's picking up chunk plays when all else fails. And you're thinking to yourself, like you said it earlier on in the stream, how much did they have to do 
in order to keep Pittsburgh in this game. They they did about everything they could possibly do to keep a lesser team that was literally, whether it was the reporters on site, whether it was us at home watching the game, fire Matt Canada chants were piping through the TVs. Okay. <laughs> this team, this team is struggling offensively. Their offensive coordinator. I'm not sure anybody in that stadium that was wearing Steelers gear trusts him or believes in him at this point. And yet they find a way to this, this one got away from the Ravens. It was everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Zay flowers tripped over grass. When does that ever happen? <laughs> like, and, and Zay himself had a couple drops, but you said, I think seven or eight is the consensus seven or eight. At one point, CBS put up the broadcast, uh, put up a, a graphic. Seven dropped passes, and I think there was another one after that. Three of those would have been touchdowns, right? One with Zay, one with Rashad. I'm not going to call Mark Andrews that one that went up high where Zay was behind him in the back of the end zone. I don't know if I want to call that a drop, but there were at least three of them. Or they could have put up six. Yeah, it's it's interesting because drops are somewhat subjective. So, like, depending on which website you go to, whoever their analytics person is, um, they kind of decide what is a drop and what is not. You know what I mean? And so it was funny because at one point, Jamison Hensley had put out a tweet based off of ESPN stats and info. And he's and they said it was five. That was the number I had counted. At least those were the egregious ones that I thought were pretty clearly five drops. And then all of a sudden, CBS Sports puts up seven. And so like it's it, usually the NFL puts up a game book, but it isn't until the next day that they, they have the official drops at the NFL counts. So to your point, we got every everywhere, like official sites going anywhere from five drops to seven drops within like the first, like within 60 seconds of each other. So Ugh. it's hard to know exactly how many there were, but we definitely know there were too many and they led to um, clearly um Frustration like this. So this was the Rashad Bateman throwing his helmet down. There were a couple zingers in my um, in my Twitter feed. They were like, because I put this this still photo up of him throwing it down, and everybody's like, no, he didn't. He didn't throw it down. He dropped it. You know, trying to like oh. uh, keep <laughs> taking jabs at him. And I'm like, okay, zinger. Uh, and then the one right before, and it was right before that that. Mark Andrews dropped it, and I don't even know if the I don't know who the ball was going to for uh, on the back of the end zone on that one. I don't know if it was for Mark or for Zay because either one of them could have caught it, but neither of them did. And then that was, weird when, that was yeah, Jason yeah, it was. that was that, that felt like last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. It did a little bit. Um, and then so after that Nelson Aguilar drop, which would have been it wasn't in the zo- end zone, but it was gonna go for seven. I mean, that was really, this is so typical, uh, not to call you what I do it all the time, Bobby, you had just given Aguilar a huge praise. And I was about to on Twitter too, because <laughs> he had just come up with like a sweet catch, a play or two before this. And, and then to our point, that's when CBS uh, sports put up this saying that it was seven today. What's funny is again, I saw a stat that there, at least the Ravens wide receivers, maybe if you had the tight ends, the Ravens wide receivers had zero drops coming into the game. Yeah, but yeah. again, everybody has different drop stats. It's actually quite uh, frustrating. But then it was after that one that Lamar is throwing down his helmet, although he also, I think, got sacked on the next play. So maybe he was, you know, throwing it yeah. down for that. But I mean, these two photos, though, 
of Rashad Bateman throwing down his helmet and Lamar Jackson throwing down his is I guarantee what fans were doing, all Ravens fans were doing from home with whatever they could get in their hands. They were throwing things down on the floor too. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me read you those tweets that you're referencing too. Cause I think people might get a kick out of this. So Nelson Aguilar, who I really believe <laughs> even without that egregious drop that would have gone for six egregious. That was the one that I forgot to mention a couple of minutes ago, right? It was the, it was the Zay drop. It was the Rashad drop. And then it was the, the Nelson drop on a perfectly thrown ball that was kissed in there, dropped right in there on a, on a line from Lamar. But, but I really do believe that so far through the early going you know, in comparison to guys like, what Sammy Watkins and Willie Sneed and these other players who have come in to serve that veteran wide receiver role on short term, you know, team friendly deals over the years. I think Nelson has been an upgrade so far. And so I wanted to tweet that out and I did. <laughs> and then the drop, it had to have been two minutes after Sarah, it had to have been like just a couple minutes after. So I decided to quote tweet myself and just make sure everybody knows that I'm aware of what's happening here. Okay. It's not the first time it's happened this year when I make these big picture statements. So I said, <laughs> note to self, enough of the big picture statement tweets, Bobby, none of them more in game, shaking my head and a little righty emoji. My bad guys. Uh, well, I, I had one that wasn't quite that like, but I put up like after the Ravens had scored that touchdown with seven. And then the, I felt like they were moving on another one, but, but anyway, I was like, Oh, it feels so good to be healthy. Like Lamar's in command. He's got time. He's got the weapons. And then all of a sudden, like everything uh, fell apart. And so, you know, I, I I got, got on that too. Um, I I just, and honestly, and so that's why you kind of ask yourself, you're like, like, what's the common thread, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know, because again, coming into this, We're talking about zero drop passes by the wide receivers. Yep. So should we overreact and say, okay, drops are like a serious issue. Obviously it wasn't this game, but there were zero in four games. So do we more check chalk it up to, Hey, this is like an outlier. This is an aberration, an aberration, like, or is this who they are? Well, when you have four games with zero drops and one game with seven or eight, you want to think it's just like a day from hell that you just say, we throw this out and get back to the four, the four games that we were with no dropping. I wish I had answers for you there. I'll try. I try my best after I tell you a little bit about today's exclusive sponsor. And that is our friends at CyberTech, a next generation local recruiting, resourcing and outsourcing firm, a new way to acquire resources, whether you're in need of new hires, contingent staff, or just seeking to outsource a business or technical function, CyberTech is the organization for you. If you're in need of resources and candidates and don't have the time to sift through dozens of resumes, CyberTech is a company that really understands your needs and presents candidates that are not in the open market within 48 hours. CyberTech has over 40 years of combined experience in working with some of the largest organizations, both in the Baltimore area and nationally. So if you find yourself intrigued, You'll have a chance to meet myself, Sarah, and the CyberTech team for an introduction virtually. And you can get started today by sending an email to the one that we have included in the top of the show notes below. Unfortunately, I have an update for you. Those of our crossover Baltimore fans here. Uh It is currently 9-2 to in the top of the third inning, right down the street from me at Camden Yards. The Rangers are beating up on the Orioles 9-2, to and the O's are in danger of going to Texas for game three 
down to oh it has been a rough weekend so far in baltimore sports there and it doesn't look like it's getting any better right now but where do you want to pivot the conversation to um i i don't i i don't know i'm seeing lots of comments you know i saw one comment you know tired of sarah defending harbaugh make an argument then make an argument make an argument that the fourth and two decision was harbaugh's fault Make an argument that I can't defend. So Darren says, when do we start holding Harbaugh accountable? We blasted Harbaugh last week. We blasted him last well, week. For, uh, with to, During the ending game, oh, you mean? Okay, during the ending game when he, when he should have called the timeout. We blasted him, and we said that that was a, if not the big, like, if not one of the biggest factors, the biggest factor for losing that game. Don't come at me. Don't come at me with your emotions. You want to move the goalposts. If you want to, if you want to make the point of what Harbaugh did wrong, make the point, make the point. Let's not, let's not be emotional about it on the fourth and two. Linderbaum clearly knew the plan. He clearly knew it. He made a mistake. What, what, okay. So what, what's the other part? I'm sure there are other things that Harbaugh did wrong in the, in the, in the, in the game. And I'm and we'll, we'll call it out when needed. But on that specific play, why does that bother you that I call it out how it is? Why does that bother you? Shouldn't bother you. That's just being all in your feelings. What should bother everybody is the special teams play because the blocked punt that led to the safety, that's just, that cannot happen. It just cannot happen, especially when Jordan, oh, Jordan, I mean, chef's kiss. This guy, he loves pinning people inside the 20 backed up in their own territory Sarah he, he's got a hell of a boot he's got great positioning he's just a seamless transition to the NFL so far for the most part he's working with Sam Cook which is probably to his advantage so that was pretty bad can't happen that that was pretty bad I I, I want to go back and look at that play that just seemed like uh, poor protection for, you for, know, for, for protection. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's poor protection. It's, uh, you know, and then the Ravens get a gift. They get an absolute gift on, on special teams the other way, because it was the Steelers who knocked out their own uh, teammates ball. And they, they got the ball literally. right there, Seymour. It like literally gave, like, here, here's the ball in the red zone. And by the way, coming into this, Todd Monk and Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense, are number one in the red zone. 80% of the time they were in the red zone, they scored, not just scored, but scored a touchdown. And so that was another thing that just like, just like with the drops, it went from zero to seven or eight. Yeah. And then in this one, it goes from number one in the league, scoring 80%. And then you couldn't even score when like this gift was given to you on, on their kick return and, and you could, and there was not even three points gotten out of it. What was really confusing to me was when they finally, when that happens, when the fumble happens, when the teammate, the teammate collision by Pittsburgh happens. And all of a sudden the Ravens are gifted to your point, an opportunity where with everything, having everything gone wrong, you still have a chance to close this game out. Right. And what do you do? You're inside your own, you're in the red zone. And why aren't you just running the football with Gus? I, I was confused in terms of why, just give it to Gus, man. And, and it was a tough play there with OBJ in the back of the end zone. Not a great throw by Lamar. What led to the interception there. 
I was a little bit puzzled by the, the play calling in that situation. Yeah, I think that one's probably a little bit more fair. I mean, they did go to Gus on the first play. And I actually didn't hate the shovel pass, but, uh, but you know, um, yeah, that's, that's the way that was. I feel like with the way the, re- the way the receivers were playing, I didn't love the call to, to Odell Beckham Jr. Up to that point, Odell didn't have a, a drop or anything. Um, Remind me to talk, but, discuss him after your, after your thoughts. Don't let me forget. Just okay. Yeah. Odell. What happened in so the game I- and whatnot. But I think that's probably fair. I think that the, the passing game just wasn't working. And it felt like, like what happened to Justice Hill? Like I felt like he and Gus, I felt like in the first, mostly two quarters, even though there were drops, I felt like Munkin was calling a great game. I liked just like the groove that the Ravens were in. And I felt like part of that was Gus and Justice Hill. And I don't know if Justice Hill was being punished for, for his fumble or what. But uh, yeah, I think there's there's a case, especially with hindsight being 2020, that it's like, hey, can you just knowing that the receivers are not doing their part, should you run it three times, whether it's Gus or with Justice or both? Um, I think I think that's a fair critique on the play calling. Yeah, speaking to Odell, so he after catch making his first catch, he was not in the first couple drives, if I'm not mistaken, right? So he was not with the starting unit. Again, he's missed the last couple games dealing with that ankle injury. He said this week that it was sort of a precautionary decision, right? If, 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 if this was postseason football, if this was the Super Bowl, he would have been out there. But because they need him, and we've talked about this when it matters most, down the stretch in December and January, they just said, let's not push it. Well, he makes his first catch, and then immediately, literally right after he hauls it in, he's, he's calling for, you know, take me out of this game. And the next thing you know, he's jogging at full speed to the locker room. Evan Washburn from CBS, sideline reporter, he gets up having – try to give an update, doesn't have one, and then he comes back in the game later on. We haven't been given any kind of designation from an injury standpoint, but that's that's it's been disappointing. You know, I know I know you guys want to hear that from us. You want you want to hear that we're talking about OBJ, that he needs to be available, and we understand that. Um, but we don't know what happened. We don't know if it was an equipment thing. We don't know if it was a setback based on the, you know, based on the way he was kind of like trying to get the sideline to to tend to him. I'm sure you want to be led to believe that it was physical. But, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. It's disappointing that so far through five games of a 17-game, 18-week season, he hasn't been available very much. Yeah, he he and Rashad kind of, kind of both together for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to comment on on his availability today because I when he was he was running back to the locker room, it, you know, he was jogging somewhat normally. Like maybe the, I don't I don't know. I don't know if he was injured, but he came back into the game. So uh, so, uh, you know, I can't I you can be upset that through through five, you know, he hasn't been very available. Um, but it's hard to comment on what happened today. And he was out there and uh, when he wasn't dealing with whether it was an equipment or injury issue. Um, but uh, I just, that you just wanted somebody, somebody to step up for, for Lamar today, for sure. Yeah. Ephraim with a super chat. Thank you for the support. Uh, one drops for 21 points. Uh, what does that mean? Drops for 21 points. So he's saying that those, if you hadn't dropped those, it probably would have come to 21 oh, points. So for example, yeah. B- Bateman, Bateman or Mark Andrews would have been seven. Yeah. Aguilar would have been seven. Maybe they could have led to seven more. 
but I, but that, that wasn't going to be in the end zone. I don't think if he caught those, maybe eventually it could have been, but sorry, keep going with number two. Yeah. So one. Okay. So yeah. So the drops would have uh, accounted for potential 21 points Two scared play calling when Lamar was dealing all game three filet. And that's where I wanted to go next. Filet is a liability. He cannot continue to play. Well, the, the, he, he was never planned. They were the, he was never in the plan to play, right? Like Morgan Moses went down last week with the shoulder. He tried to do it all week long. Couldn't do it. Missed his first start since 2014, Sarah. He's the epitome of durability, availability. Couldn't do it, right? Veteran, right tackle for this team. Couldn't do it. That meant that Patrick McCarry, the jack of all trades, yes, as some say, master of none. Look, I hate to say that because he's bailed this team out so much <laughs> over the years. But yes, he is now thrust in. Ronnie comes back to, to protect Lamar's blind side on the left-hand side. So, so Patrick now switches over to right. He had his hands full with TJ Watt. And then when he went down and left the game and Daniel Falele subs in, yes, there was a drop-off. Yes, it became an issue right away. And that was something that you saw immediately uh, upon inserting him in. Uh, listen, to be fair, you're totally right. It is... Uh, TJ Watt, um, but there was there was no match. I felt like I could definitely see a difference in Lamar's comfortability. I'm sure all the drops had something to do with it too, but there was a difference in comfortability uh, once Patrick McCarry went down. Um, I, I ugh. yeah, it was it was not good. And 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 at the end when when TJ Watt got kind of like that last sack, I literally said out loud like, of course. Of yeah. course, that's how it ends. Why it, it it always ends this way, which is why like the keys of the game are kind of like, don't let the Steelers hang around because they're not good enough. But if you let them hang around at home, that's when they can, that's when they start making plays and like you lose momentum and, um, you know, it, just allowing, allowing him to be there. But it does. It always feels like something like that. Whether TJ Watt is playing the Ravens or somebody else, I've seen too many games that end with him wrecking it at the end. He is a Ravens killer. <laughs> and how about this? Lamar now is one in three as a starter in his career against this team. It's unbelievable. He has not been able to get the monkey off his back against the Steelers. They've played him tough. Obviously, today it was more about what those around him didn't do rather than what he didn't do. Now, he wasn't perfect. Yes, yes, he had the interception. Yes, he had the fumble. But, man, it, that the whole everything is magnified. When you don't put up points, and to Ephraim's point here in the, in the Super Chat feature donation, 21 potential points were left coming off the board. I mean, and that might be a generous projection right there. Yeah, I, I, I'd say at least 14, maybe 21, but for sure 14. Anyway, let's keep moving here. I, yeah. And by the way, I am very interested. Who John Harbaugh didn't have any injury updates um, we're not going to get any tomorrow because they're going to be on the plane to London. Uh, it's really just Patrick McCary, right? Like, because Gus Edwards went out and he came back in. OBJ went out. He came back in. I think it was just Patrick McCary that didn't come out unless there's something under the radar. Um, so I'm very interested to see how serious that may be. The second thing is, though, knowing that Morgan Moses um, did end up practicing, at the end of the week, uh, even though he was doubtful, he hasn't missed a game. This was the first one in 134 games. I'm I'm very interested to see if Morgan Moses can come back 
Um, and, and I think obviously that would make that's a big upgrade over Philele. For sure. Shout out Arthur Mollett, Ravens cornerback mm-hmm. who had a nice game against his former team. He had a sack. What else did he have here? Let's see. He had uh, one tackle, one sack, two pass deflections, a quarterback hit, and a tackle for loss. <laughs> he was flying around. It was nice to see Mike McDonald use him in a blitz package that that allowed him to kind of get after Kenny Pickett. And you could just tell that his celebration, the way that he was flying around, this one meant a lot to him going up against his former team. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, he did. I was really happy for, I mean, he, he played it. I, he just played really well. I thought, I think he got a little bit lucky when he defended the Pickens touchdown, like he never turned, but it all worked out in the end, had his, had his hands up. But yeah, I was really happy that happy that McDonald knew that this was a big game for him and let him have that blitz. And he was able to sack uh, Pickett. I can't imagine how frustrating this this is for the defense to just time and time and time and time go back out there and, and bail out the offense and then just have to do it again. But you know, that's what that's what made Ray Lewis great and Ed Reed great. Like it was just like whatever it is, when we get out there, there's no excuses. We keep going. I did I haven't heard yet. I think you told me you had the audio on Marlon Humphrey. Yes, uh, with him giving because, up that long touchdown. I wanna I wanna hear that. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah. And if you remember, and by the way, I just dumped the access link into the live chat so if you're interested in joining the show for a quick 30 second blurb on your takeaway and and what you want to talk about consider doing that again you can find the live link in the live chat um yeah I'm, i'm surprised we actually haven't mentioned this yet because george pickens is a problem he was a problem last year for the ravens when they played him and he was a problem 
today in Pittsburgh. He finishes with a team high and a game high, six receptions for 130 yards receiving, a touchdown, a long of 41, which is what we're going to get to in just a second, which was Marlon Humphrey's coverage, and 10 total targets, Sarah. Here's Marlon on what really ended up being the game-winning play that he allowed to George Pickens. Yeah, man, I think, um, you know, it was just a, a throwing catch, you know, you kind of get beat sometimes when you when you blitz the house, and uh, that's one of those times. Um, so you know, obviously, you don't want to be on the end of a game winner, but um, you know, it happens at the corner position. So just try to limit those to, to where you can contest those catches and, and hopefully uh, break it up. Well, I I'll tell you what, Sarah Pickens is a bad dude. This guy can do a little bit of everything, and he and Pickett obviously have the Pickens Pickett connection. They've got that going on, but. He's a big body wide receiver, somebody who's rangy. He's got great footwork. And there, yeah, Marlon, Marlon did get burned. Now that may have been a product when you when you're the all-out blitz, like you said, Mike Mack sent the house, took a shot, took a risk, and unfortunately Marlon paid the price. Yeah, and you know what? Um, that's why you pay Marlon Humphrey. It's so you can do that. You're you're supposed to be able to say, Hey, I'm putting my all pro out there so that I can blitz the house and try to like put this game away. Um, I wonder, is that, is that the longest pass given up so far this season? I'm going to look that up. I know we got a lot of people. We got, we got three people in our queue wanting to come and talk. This would be fun. Kind of hit the, the phone lines as you say, but can you remember off the top of your head, has the Ravens defense given up a bigger play than 41 yards in the air? Not, I would have to think not, but I just, yeah. And memory, you know, and it's too bad that it happens when Marlon comes back. Um, now I do want to, by the way, bringing this in, into perspective with Marlon and everybody else, I'm, I'm here for a little bit of grace. He hasn't played since early in training camp. Um, there was a blitz, but that's what you want your all pro cornerback to do is say, Hey, I'm putting you one-on-one against their best receiver, um, with a quarterback that, you know, doesn't always deliver, you know? So, but I give him grace. He's coming back. He's coming off that foot surgery. I also feel the same with Rashad Bateman. I don't like that Rashad Bateman didn't come up to the podium, but like he's been out. OBJ's been out. I got to tell you though, there was one play. (laughs) Ronnie Stanley just came back, but there was one play. I think it was on third and six. The Ravens didn't convert on it, but he manhandled, manhandled their pass rusher when they were coming after Lamar. I mean, just that, that dude could not go anywhere. And I was like, that's why you need Ronnie Stanley right there. He doesn't need Patrick uh, Ricard over there chipping. He doesn't need a running back over there chipping. He just like, you are not coming through. And then when Lamar went off the other way, I mean, he was just able to put this pass rusher on the ground. Ronnie Stanley, if he can stay healthy, he's just a grown man taking care of these pass rushers. Meanwhile, on the right-hand side, he needed all the help in the world today (laughs) at different times. You saw Ricard, Andrews, everything you could possibly get over there, chipping and and getting some extra bodies in there. Yeah, because what is that dude? All right, let's open it up. Our brand new segment, viewers join the vault. A couple different rules, ground rules, especially obviously coming off a loss. Please keep it PG for us. Sarah's kids watch this. There's a bunch Mm -hmm. of other youngsters that that watch this as well. 30-second time limits. Let us know your name, where you're tuning in from, and what you want to talk about. And we'll go to Wes. First things first here inside the vault post game. What's going on, Wes? How you doing, brother? 
Hey, what's up, y'all? Uh, I'm calling in from Houston. Number one, love y'all's podcast. Listen to you every video you put out, really. Um, I'm really frustrated, obviously, with the offense. I think that it, was just, it just wasn't a good showing. We all know that. But I feel like the the coaching for me just isn't really consistent. I feel like every year we're consistently inconsistent. I feel like John, especially in these Steelers games, just seems to get out coached. Um, he makes some weird decisions like that fourth down. Um, I was like, just go out and kick the field goal. I know you're trying to get him off sides, but the Steelers jumped off sides earlier in the game. They didn't call it. So, you know, just take the points, you know, and I know that's what they're trying to do, but it just didn't work out that way. Appreciate the call. Wes. Hey, well, Thanks, man. Real quick, ahead, real sir. quick. Wes, besides that, besides that play, cause I don't put that on coaching based off of what Leonard Baum said, is there a bigger picture that you have with coaching? Cause I know that's what fans want to hear about. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been obviously been watching the Ravens for a while, but I feel like, especially in the Steelers games, and I don't don't know why it's the Steelers games. You go back, you know, a few years, you go to the, you know, the two point conversions or, I mean, God, you go back even to like the 2012, 2011 season where we had the lead against Pittsburgh at home and we just give it away late. Um, And I feel like that's just a consistent theme that I've seen from the offense specifically um, with John Harbaugh. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you, Wes. Thanks, Thanks for calling in, man. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, we we talked about it after the Colts game, right? We called it out for what it was, the, the lack of clock management, the lack of game management. But specifically with the fourth down, Sarah, like we know that it wasn't John Harbaugh's decision, right? We know what the game plan was. We already covered this now. Mm-hmm. But to Wes's point there, maybe he was suggesting, do you take the clock out of it and just take the points, because because of what happened, you have to say yes. But again, that's a normal play. Yeah. They like so now, now all of a sudden, no, no, because I've heard people in the in the past go after Harbaugh because it's like it's not a good sign that he doesn't trust his players. And I've heard people say, oh, well, you just got to tell Linderbaum that under no circumstance can you do that. That's bad coaching. You have to empower who you think is becoming a Pro Bowl center and say, hey, if. If you, yeah, if you think that they're offsides or in the neutral zone, you got to you have to empower them up to a certain point for sure. And I, but I agree with his overall point. I mean, these since Harbaugh and and um, Mike Tomlin have been going at it, the, the Ravens and Steelers have the most games decided by three or fewer points, eighteen of them. The next the next rivalry that's been decided by three or fewer points. And that amount of time is 11 between the Rams and, and San Francisco 49ers. So that is what this rivalry is. And anytime Harbaugh makes a bad decision, which I don't think happened today, unless there's another one that's that I'm not thinking about, but it has happened before, like going for two when it's just like, oh man, don't go for two. You know what I mean? So I do agree with his overall point. When you have a rivalry game, you want to see you want to see your team come out on top more often in these tight games, and that and you can't you can't say oh that's not coaching overall that time. Let's get back to the lines, Kyron. We're coming up for you in just a second here. Of course, thanks for being with us, guys. Just want to give a quick shout out to everybody, uh, all five hundred plus of you across all platforms. If you haven't already done so and you've been enjoying the content, please consider liking the video, subscribing to both channels. The vault is coming up on our first big benchmark milestone of 10,000 subscriptions in under a year of our channel's existence, which is pretty cool. So just wanted to say thank you for that. And also shouting out a few of our returning patrons, Lisa Schaffner, 
and both Lisa and Bryant Mason. Bryant actually just became a small business Patreon title sponsor for us. So he'll be having a full episode sponsored coming up later this week on the vault, which is great. Something that we like and enjoy. And a lot of small business owners have been taking advantage of that. So, uh, but also if you want to get a monthly shout out as well, go check out what we're offering by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. All right, Kyron, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. How you doing, man? Where are you tuning in from and what do you want to talk about? Hey, Sarah. Hey, Bobby. I'm tuning in from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I, I like, I agree kind of with Wes said. Why does it feel like every time we play Pittsburgh, it like it comes down to just little things. I get it's part of Ravens still a rivalry. But as I'm watching the game, especially when the block punt happened, I automatically thought of when we played Pittsburgh last year in week 17. And um, I just remember the defense did not allow a touchdown to the very last second. And as soon as Pittsburgh blocked it, I tried to be optimistic. But I just said in the back of my, my mind, we're going to lose this game right here. I just knew it. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand every single time, at least recently, whenever we play Pittsburgh close, we're coming out on the losing end of it all. Like, usually, you know, we can usually beat Pittsburgh close, but now, whenever we play them, it's like we cannot get the close games. Yeah, we won last year, but that is just one game. Like, we haven't beaten Pittsburgh outside of last year. We got swept in 2020, 2021, and split last year. It's like – and Pittsburgh's not better than us, in my opinion, on, on, like, on paper, but we cannot beat them for some reason. We beat Cincinnati. We can beat Cleveland, but Pittsburgh, who I think is the weakest, the weakest team in the division on paper, we can't beat them. So Lamar's only been available for a few of these, though, over his era, right? Because you, you can't, can't, you can't remember, you can't forget that going into today. And you're right, by the way, they, they've had their number, right? But, but yeah, Lamar's just, Lamar's missed five of the last six games, I believe. Five, five of the last six mm-hmm. or seven. But to your point, Bobby. So, but point yeah. taken, Kyron. We appreciate you for calling in, man. Thanks so much for the support. Uh, look, one and two going into today. Now he's one and three. Sarah, this is his sixth season in the league. So he hasn't been available for a lot of these games. But but to Kyron's point, yeah, they have not been great in this rivalry matchup over the Lamar era. A lot have factors have gone into that. Uh, but they're going to have to split the season series with this team because guess what? Right now, after all the talk and all the noise about Matt Canada, the Steelers are right there. And this division, while right now, I'm sure from the outside looking in, people around the country are making fun of it. Right? Because of Cincy's struggles, because of what's going on with the Steelers' offense, the Ravens' ups and downs, and the self-inflicted wounds, right? And and Cleveland going back and forth. I, I'm still thinking that this is going to be decided in Week 17 or 18. You watch; this division's going to be decided come January. Bobby, real quick, um, I just looked up the last ten Ravens versus Steelers games on StatMuse. It feels that way because it is <laughs> like it feels that the Ravens keep. So obviously lost today. Ravens lost, you know, a close one uh, January 1st last year. They did win the one Ravens won one on 12, 11, 22, but then lost, 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 lost. And then the last one was was 2019 when Lamar was was healthy. So uh, that's one, two, three, four, five losses to, to one win over the last uh, six games. There you go. Numbers never lie. Go mm-hmm. back to the FaceTime lines. Karan, you're coming up in just a second here. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, if you're interested in dropping into our show and, and hitting us up this way for your post-game reaction, you can do so through the link that I have included in the live chat. Karan, am I, first of all, am I pronouncing that right? And second you- of all, where are you from and what do you want to talk about? 
you were one of the rare ones that got my name right perfectly. Hey, so that's what we thank do. You. That's what we do. Um, originally <laughs> from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. I actually did come by to watch the game with my dad. Um, nice. I was talking to my father and my brothers about this, and uh, I'm more of a morale person. And I think what's been missing with this team offensively is the morale, the spirit of the team. You know, you watch those moments where Lamar was a little frustrated when he threw his helmet down. And, you know, of course, if some of our wide receivers were catching the passes. But I told my dad and my brother, I said, think about it like this. If you're at a job and you're not doing the best possible and your boss is on you constantly telling you, hey, you know, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. Then in your mind, mentally, you're already defeated. So you're not going to improve based on the matters of the work that you're doing. So I asked the question, where is or who is our spiritual morale leader? Of course, we've been spoiled with Ray Lewis, and he done it on both sides, but we're lacking that spiritual morale leadership on offense. And I think a lot of guys, when they get in their head, once you make that one mistake, when that one fumble happened, it was like, oh, 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 no, oh, no, oh, no. And we can't psych ourselves out of that. So I just think as a team, we have all the pieces. It's just spiritually, the, the will to win is missing. I just wanted to bring that up to you guys. I think that's just like one of the biggest things, especially with Lamar. He gets on himself a lot. So uh, what do you guys think, man? you think we're missing that? Ahead, I I actually agree Thanks with you. Call, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with Karan. Um, could you see it? Uh, there was one point that I actually started tweeting, but I never put it out. I was like, can the Ravens find a way to get Roquan Smith on offense? Because, <laughs> because he goes out there and it's just a ball of energy all the time. And I'm like, can he? He go out there and be like a fullback and block some people or give him the ball and let him run it. I don't know what his ball security skills are like, you know, but I'm just like, can, what, can he go out and be a tight end for a second? I mean, something. And, and yeah, and I agree. And there's, there's kind of like, um, you definitely see the helmets being thrown down. Um, and I like that Lamar doesn't call, call out his teammates publicly, but I don't know if it would be so wrong if Lamar goes over there and says, yo, <laughs> you got me? Like, do you got me kind of kind of a thing or whatever to kind of like, I, I don't know, something. Or go up to him and say, hey, no big deal. I know, I believe in you. I got you. Don't put your head down. I got you. You throw your helmet, but I, you know what I mean? And so, like, I, I see his point there because I definitely feel it on defense, especially now that Roquan's there. And don't get me wrong, I think Mark Andrews, you know, he's a beast. Like, I felt like Zay Flowers, even though he had his mishaps, he, he kept coming back, although I don't know that a rookie is the one to, like, lift everybody's spirits. And so I, I agree with what he said. It brought me back to a question that I asked Twitter this week leading into rivalry week, and it was essentially – do you feel as if the Ravens Steelers rivalry is, is living on borrowed time or is it still one of the best rivalries in all of sport? And my thought was a lot of that depends on how you define rivalry, right? Do you define a rivalry based on personalities, hall of fame players, right? Like that type of thing, which is what we know it once had. And who knows, there could be a couple hall of famers on, on TJ Watt is probably a future hall of famer. If Lamar continues at this, at this clip, He's a potential Hall of Famer. But what I mean by that is, okay, if you look at it that way, maybe it's not a rivalry in your mind anymore. But if you look at a rivalry and you define it as close ball games, narrow contests, hard hitting, physicality, you know, intensity, drama, blah, 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 then maybe it still does pack that punch for you. I am I'm on the former, I'm on the former side. I I still think it's a great game to watch in terms of if you like defense and you like safeties and whatnot, but I think it lacks, and specifically the Ravens offense, lacks those, some of those personalities that made this rivalry 
what it was over the years in the early early 2000s and into the 2010s. What do you think? I think it's a rivalry. <laughs> like I don't even when you have this many games decided by when you when you have to throw out records and you have to throw out like who's scored more of this and that all like time and time and time and time again. I think it's a rivalry. Is it as intense as when, you know, Terrell Sugg said, hey, you know, God may own his soul, but I own his behind like that makes it more fun. But this is still a rivalry. Back to the FaceTime lines. Howard, you're about to join the show here in just a second. Again, a 30-second limit, please. Let us know your name. Well, I already know your name, but let us know where you're tuning in from and what you want to talk about. Howard, welcome into the vault. How you doing, guys? Pleasure to be on the show with you. Absolutely. Good to have um, you. I'm currently I'm currently residing in Florida, Baltimore native, born and raised. Um, what I see, the observations is kind of the same thing I've seen with the Colts. When these teams are bringing pressure towards Lamar, we're not making the hot checks and the reads we need to get the ball out of his hands. He's sitting there kind of holding it, you know, and it seems to be a tendency with these guys. When teams bring pressure, they're not adjusting. They're not communicating. What do you guys think about that? Is that, or is that just something that I see? Uh, it definitely was true. I remember seeing the stats from uh, definitely week one. Um, I need to see it over, over time. So I think there's been games where you're absolutely correct. And I'm sure you saw some plays that made you feel that way. There are a couple of plays where I felt like he was fine. Like there, there was the one time where, um, who made an incredible play? I think it was Justice Hill. But the only reason why he got there is because there was a blitz coming straight at him, and he made this smart check down like hot read to Justice Hill, and then mm-hmm. Justice Hill did the rest from there. So I'd have to look at the stats, but I don't think you're crazy because that certainly has been the case in a few games. I just don't know what the stats were overall today. Yeah, I see. I mean, from what I've seen, like with the Colts, the Colts run constant pressure, whether it was an extra rusher or just their four-man, you know. And if they're showing pressure up front in, the, in your pre-snap reads, there's like they're not communicating to make, you know, the obvious plays. Like, you know, hey, I got a blitzer coming. We may get a hot route and throw a slant or something. Like the receivers and the QB just don't seem to be on point when it comes to that, at least from what I've seen so far, you know. And it goes back. It ain't just this year, but, you know, previous seasons as well, even with Greg Roman. Same thing, you know, like they're not communicating on the same page when it comes to that stuff. And I think that hurts them because teams are tending to want to do that a lot more because it seems to be a weakness for them. Thanks for the yeah, call, good Howard. Point. Appreciate you for tuning in, man. You know, Justice Hill, I wish we were would have been able to talk about him in a different light, you know, post-game because he had such a hot start, Sarah, and he's really developed within this Ravens system. He's been here for many years now, and you think about the burst, the lateral quickness that he has, the cutting ability that put guys on skates in the first half, but then and a guy made a better play. You alluded to it earlier on, right? Yeah. With, he 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 left that ball out though it was it was it was a better defensive play right but you can't mm-hmm. have that in clear sight for it wasn't point. high and tight that's for sure yes yeah and, and he left it out there in that right arm elbow area and it made a Steeler made a hell of a play coughs up the football you barely see justice again the rest of the game Sarah I think we didn't see him until the second half if I'm not mistaken after that but but it's it's really too bad because he is he's an impact player for this team so far this year and he's dealing with a turf toe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I was just looking up his numbers. Yeah. I thought so. So justice Hill in the first half had 27 yards and he ended with 42. So, you know, I felt like the first he, I feel like they went with Gus the first drive and then they went with justice Hill, the second drive. And I felt like that second drive when Hill came out there, uh, he was he was lights out. It was it was absolutely after the fumble that we just didn't see him as much anymore. Back to the FaceTime lines. Chef Trez, if you're there, 
Ah, there you are. Okay. I got you. It was a blank screen. I just wanted to give you your chance uh, just in case, but I'll give you a quick update so he can get his camera together. Um, in the top of the fifth, right down the street here at Camden Yards, it is now 9-4 Rangers over the Orioles. The only guy who, and again, I'm not watching the game, so I can't really speak to this, but I have it off to the side. I, I, I am streaming it off to the side. Apparently, Jorge Mateo is just like that guy in the postseason. He, he's the only dude hitting. So hopefully the Ravens are, are got their rally caps on, but a five-run deficit right now in Baltimore. Chef Trez, where are you from? What do you want to talk about? Uh, what's happening, y'all? Just want to say one, appreciate the show and everything. I watch it, you know, every morning uh, when I'm on my way to work and everything. Um, so I'm currently in uh, in, in Maryland, uh, Baltimore, actually. Um, one thing that I just I really want to just get off my chest about this team is it too early to start, you know, hitting the warning signs of like turnovers, the steam of the offense and everything this early into the season. I mean, I know we're in week five, but we're going into week six. The Ravens lead or, or excuse me, they're second in the league with turnovers, mostly fumbles. So, you know, is it almost time to start hitting the whole alarm bell of just like what is happening? We're almost at midseason. Thanks for the call, in, man. In, in, just real quick, in, in terms of, of, of turnovers or the offense overall? Um, offense overall, but, um, I mean, the turnovers really play a factor into it as well. I mean, you know, um, I believe what was the first game that we had? I believe we had about two, maybe three uh, turnovers that game. Um, then, of course, penalties killed us, and then so on and so forth. We gave up at least, I would say, probably – two fumbles or so or more, but at least something like that up until this week. So, you know, it's for me, alarm bells are ringing just like, you know, first half of the season, it's been, I would say pretty easy, but later half of the season where we're going up against some top AFC teams, top NFC teams, we can't have those type of issues. Yeah. Thanks for the call, chef. Appreciate you, man. I'm not there yet, Sarah. I'm not ready to sound the alarm bells. I think it really just starts and ends with with this statistic that we shared earlier, seven or eight or nine. So I saw some people counting nine total drops, three of which would have been touchdowns. You haul those things in. It's a completely different game, right? It's a completely different overall outcome, you would think. Completely different score, completely different box score. So I'm not quite there I, yet. I agree with him on the turnovers. Turnovers are are, are just killers, absolute killers. The, this fumble thing has got to get under control. So I agree with him on that. Am I sending it on the, the alarm on the offense overall? No. I mean, this is one of the first weeks where we actually had Bateman and OBJ and Ronnie Stanley all out there with Mark Andrews. You know what I mean? And so it's funny because we kind of made fun of Dan Orlovsky for a minute when he's like, oh, it's going to take, you know, four to six weeks. And it's like, Maybe so, especially when you keep losing your weapons and whatnot. But am I sending the alarm? No, because I feel like I feel like I, I I feel like they are this close. I feel like they are. Like again, I feel like the drops, we have not seen that through four games. So I don't like the the, the fumbles. Uh that to me is an issue because now it's a trend. The other stuff isn't a trend yet. So I'm not sending the alarm. And I still believe, I mean. We keep seeing, we keep seeing like in, in certain moments that this offense is butter. And and I think they're closer to that if they can just all stay healthy and get some more time together. 
This just in from nothing crazy, but this just in. Whenever I say, whenever I say this just in, or you see this just in, it's like some big news. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing crazy, <laughs> but but Jameson Hensley tweeted that Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman reached out to him personally with okay. a statement after the game. Remember, if, if, you, if you didn't tune in earlier, Rashad he declined to speak with reporters after the game. We know that he's frustrated. He deactivated his Twitter account. He had a key drop. Right. He was it was in his return to action since dealing with the um, what's he been dealing with, Sarah? Goodness gracious. What has Rashad been dealing with? He's, Why am he's I forgetting? dealt with um, he's dealt with so many things. I want to say hamstring hamstring. Thank you. Yes. So anyway, he he texted Jameson. And by the way, I'd have to think this is PR probably. I don't know, maybe giving him a piece. You, of you, right. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be. He's not texting Jameson. You don't know that. He's he's been online. He see. I I don't know. I don't know I'd why we need to shocked. speculate it. Just say what he said. <laughs> I'd be shocked. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say you, something when I said that. You were always like, oh, it's PR. You like always got like this conspiracy theory with PR. I feel like. <laughs> I think P, I think PR probably saw they they monitor Twitter. I would imagine, and and they probably saw the the storm about him declining to speak with reporters and then deactivating Twitter and say, hey, why don't, you just get, why don't you get out it's in front possible. of this and. You know, get out in front of this and send Jameson, our longest tenured beat reporter, a little message. And, and if, if that was the case, here's what I, here's how just it read. Uh, now I'm just getting you going. Um, <laughs> all right. So, quote, I'll put this game on me any day, anytime. Don't have a problem with that at all. More frustrated with myself as I should be. I love this team and I love this game. Everyone has a storm, some longer than others, some shorter than others. It's all about how you recover and respond, and I will. I only owe anything to my teammates in this organization, so it's best I focus on how to, on how to be the best for me for this team, period. It'll all click eventually, and when it does, it'll be special. No matter what, I always appreciate the love and support. We're all going to bounce back. We always do. Again, that is a message that Jamison Hensley received from Rashad Bateman after he declined to speak with the media. Wow. Uh, just the way that was written, Sarah, is is very big. It's, it's like big, strong words like, wow, I, it's not that big. I mean, maybe it isn't in some people's eyes, but that's a pretty dramatic text. What do you mean? Just like it's a deep it's a deep text. It's very has a lot oh. of depth to it. I, I like that he did it. I, I give him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him credit for doing it for sure. But man. Wow. I think he's really, he's got to be down. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to get down. You, I I want him to be able to let this stuff roll off him, but he's had, it's easier said than done. He's had such a rough two and a half years. So yeah, listen, this is what, within an hour of an hour or two after the game, he didn't want to talk initially. I would still like to see him be able to do it after the game. Cause I I think that's part of the job description. Um, Cause it is, I mean, the NFL is what it is because there's, you know, so much, (laughs) you know, it's all of that. And so they're, yeah. So, but, but I like what he said and everybody, it's what Roquan Smith said. Every man in that locker room, every coach in that organization has to look themselves in the mirror and say, where can I get better? And that includes Rashad Bateman. And it sounds like that's what he's doing. So good, good. And let's get better in London. One more call. And then we got to jump. We've been going for over an hour. Yvonne, let's, let's do Yvonne. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Just got to ask, make sure everybody's is being pronounced correctly here. But uh, Yvonne, let us know where you're tuning in from, what you want to talk about to close the show. 
Hey, how's it going? My name is Ivan. I'm too. Oh my! Pittsburgh. You gotta be. No, no, you're fine. You're all good. Um, I love you guys' show. I thank you so so much for just bringing us an awesome show every morning. Like just like the guy previous, you know, I listen to you guys every morning before work. Sarah, I love your energy. I'm like, man, Sarah's going to just be fired up. So I love that. Um, the only comment I really have is I believe that situationally, Lamar has to do a better job at not playing like Superman ball. I feel like we. The game just went to crap in the second half, and I feel like we really had an opportunity to overcome the Steelers whenever we were right on the goal line. It's like, what, second and goal at this point? And he throws the ball to Odell, and it was almost like they had a conversation where it was like, look, I'm giving it to you 50-50. I'm going to give you a shot. But it was like in that situation, it's like, Lamar, if it's not there, throw it away. Go through your reads. If there's someone else, cool. If not, just throw it away and let's play for the field goal because that puts us up a whole possession. And then the play calling is different than right after Pickett. I mean, Pickens gets that big play and then they score. Now the whole play calling is messed up and I feel like we had a better opportunity. See if it's there. If it's not there, kick a field goal. And now we put it on the defense. It's like, look, stop them from scoring. They didn't score all day. Yeah. Ivan, I like your energy too. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You two, Thank yeah, you. man, you two really play off one another well, you know. <laughs> oh man, no, yeah, the call, no, man. I, yeah. I just want to say, I would like to get. Um, I don't know if you played receiver, or quarterback, or football, or whatever. Uh, yes. If 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 Kadri Ishmael was here, my question is, it was clear from from Lamar Jackson's comment that he just wanted to give. He said, "I wanted to give my boy a chance." So I it did feel like it was a little bit predetermined that you want to go there. Well, I said to my husband. That kind of throw is one of those anticipation throws where you're trying to get him in the corner, but I felt like OBJ got stuck. Like he got stuck by the, by the corner. Like he, he was strong and didn't let OBJ run his route. And Lamar threw it already. So I don't know if he th- – so I guess my question is, is, is that a throw you have to throw with some anticipation? And if that's true, was that still even too early? Was he, was he predetermined even before he got a chance to anticipate? have to go with some anticipation yeah absolutely that's that's what i believe that it was honestly um i understand like we had signed odell to all this money i've been seeing out of comments people were like odell's wash he's a diva like he's just making his money and chilling and i believe you know because they were setting up to have like this superstar tandem it was like hey look i want to give you an opportunity this is a big rivalry game like just imagine what the media will be. I'm not necessarily saying they had that conversation, but just having an understanding and being like, look, this is why we signed you. You know, you guys spoke about that a lot this season. We signed him for moments like that. So it was like, let's try to see if we can make this happen. And I just feel like given the fact that it's AFC North, we know this is the hardest division to play in. This is an opportunity. Look, just kick the field goal and let's lean on our defense. Our defense is number one in the red zone for a reason. Let's lean on that and play for that as opposed to being superhero where Lamar has had to be that a lot in the past. But now you have a defense who's showing out and they've been showing out. So it's like, let's lean on that and give them opportunity to win the game when it's like, look, you guys, we got an awesome saving grace with the special teams play. You know, it was like, that play right there was, dang, we shouldn't even have this opportunity, but we did. Let's make good on this opportunity and finish this game out. Let's just get out of here. Forget being showy. Let's get out of here. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks, Scott Henderson just parked one into left field. It is now. What's the score now? It is. Of course, it goes to commercial break right as I look at the score. 10 to 5. <laughs> uh, 10 to 5 Rangers over the Orioles in the fifth. So, anyway, I want to watch the second half of that game. I have some editing to do. We've been going for an hour and 10 minutes. Anything that you want to mention before we 
finish up? It's a good game. This is one, man. You just want to, you want to turn the page sooner than later. Like go out to London, whatever you can do, get on their time zone, you, you know, talk amongst yourselves, the players and all of that. And, uh, and move on. Cause there's nothing you can do about those drops. Now you can, I think, you know, there's some things definitely to talk about for sure. But uh, this one is one that's just like, you know, you want to get this bad taste out of your mouth quickly. Marlon Humphrey just tweeted out just a few seconds ago. Never a good feeling giving up a game winning touchdown. Tough loss on to London. And that's exactly what we'll do as well. Quite literally for me, I leave Wednesday. Looking forward to getting over across the pond for our coverage. We're going to continue doing everything we do. It's probably going to look a little bit different just in terms of media availability and time and whatnot because they'll be five hours ahead. So, yeah, should be fun. The vault is going across the pond. Uh, you're going to be handling business uh, on stateside soil, and I'll be over there doing whatever it is that I do. I don't know. I think that be more around. I'm going over with be more around town. They got like a day trip to Paris. They got all these tailgates that I'm going to be streaming. Are you going from. to Paris? I don't know. They want me to. I think maybe we'll see. <laughs> Holy moly. All right. All right, dude. I mean, you're over there. Yeah, exactly. Before we jump, though, I just want to thank you. Know, this wouldn't be possible without uh, without our friends at CyberTech. So just a special shout out to them for sponsoring the show. Partner, good stuff. Obviously not a great result. Obviously not the best sports weekend in terms of outcome wise across Baltimore. I mean, game two is not over yet, but at the time of this stream, the Orioles are down and in danger of going to Texas, being down 2 nothing, and the Ravens are reeling, coming off just a really disappointing showing in Pittsburgh. So London's coming up, week six of the season. We'll have plenty more coming up. Obviously, uh, no – well, it's not obvious. Last time we told you that we would have him. No Roquan Smith on Monday, October 9th. The next time that we catch up with him for our show Inside the Vault will be coming up, I think, later this month. So we'll be communicating with you about that. We keep timing it perfectly. We, I think people think that we only have them after losses or after wins. Wins, yeah. We, we, we don't. We've just we've talked about it, and it's the way it's worked out. Like the way it worked advance. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, looking forward to reconnecting with him, of course. And thanks to all of you, 500 plus of you, peak concurrent wise, for popping on the stream. So, for my co-host Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this edition, this post-game edition here inside the vault. The Ravens drop the three and two with a loss to the Steelers on the road in Pittsburgh and will next face the Tennessee Titans in London. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much.